Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Come on, if you're ready for the word, let me hear you say, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm ready. Look at somebody and tell them this message is for you today. Come on, tell somebody. Look at somebody else and tell them, my prayer is this. Tell them, my prayer is this, that God messes you up bad right now. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. My prayer. My prayer is that God literally just like destroys you today. Rips you open, wide open. Gives you the word exactly how he wants you to receive the word, and uh, and so today, you know, every now and then, I come and I'm not playing around. Today I'm not playing around. Welcome to church, guys. Come on up to the front row. Come on up to the front row. You missed all of worship, but that's fine. Coffee's important. Uh, I, I want to read for a minute from the book of Luke in chapter 24. And, uh, and this translation that I want to read to you, it's called the voice and the voice translation is this modern day translation. It's simply like a storytelling translation. So the Bible reads as a story. So I I wanted to read to you from Luke chapter 24 verses 47. And, uh, and this is what it says. Verse 46, 47, Luke, let me try this again. Luke 24, Verses 46 and 47, it says this, this is what the scriptures said, that the promised anointed one should suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, that in his name, a radical change of thought and life should be preached and that in his name, the forgiveness of sins should be preached beginning in Jerusalem and extending to all nations. I love Those seven words right in the middle of these two verses. I want to read you the seven words that I really, really, really love. And he says this, a radical change of thought and life. Would you say that phrase out loud with me? Ready? Here we go. A radical change of thought and life. Somebody say radical, radical, radical. The reason I love this phrase is because when God gets a hold of your life, like really gets a hold of your mind, your heart, your life, you will experience a radical change of your thought and your life. Like when God really gets a hold, when you really jump off the ledge and go all in for Jesus, God, he now gets a hold of your heart. And it's, it's not just like a little change of your thought in your, in your life. It is a radical change of your thought and your life. You won't listen. You won't, you won't think the same way anymore. When God gets a hold of your heart, you will not live the same way anymore because it's impossible to live the way you used to and to think the way you used to when you have the Holy spirit dwelling inside of you. It's impossible You you will never think the same way again. You will never live the same way again. When the Holy Spirit dwells in you, 
It changes the way you think and you live. So I love this phrase, a radical change of thought and life. You, you won't hate like you used to hate. You won't rage like you used to rage. You won't hold grudges like you used to hold grudges. You won't be able to lie and manipulate like you used to lie and manipulate. You won't be able to, to use profanity like you used to use profanity. You won't be insecure like you used to be because the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and, and is changing you. It's changing you. So he says a radical change of thought in life. You'll develop new thoughts. You'll develop new convictions, new standards. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is that when God gets a hold of you, you'll love like you never knew you could love before. You, you'll, you'll give like you never knew you could give before. You'll sacrifice like you'll never knew you, you could sacrifice before. You'll, you'll forgive like you'll never knew you could forgive before. So God replaces this hard, callous heart and he gives us this new, soft, tender heart. That's why I love this passage, because he gives us a radical change of our thoughts and our lives. And today, I want to preach a sermon to you called Do Something Radical. We say that to somebody sitting next to you, tell them, do something radical. I, I want you to find somebody you don't know and tell them, do something radical, bro. Do something radical. Do something radical. I'm going to open in prayer. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would change us. Like literally change us. That we leave this place different from the way we walked in. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually. God, change us relationally. Change our thoughts, our, our minds, our lives, our hearts, our convictions, our morals, our standards. God, change us as a result of today. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say, amen. amen. How about a round of applause for the world's best worship team? Do something radical. Say it again. Do something radical. I want to preach today to those of you is anybody besides me tired of the same old, same old in life? Like, is anybody tired of running in this hamster wheel of life? And you're tired of the mundane, right? I'm tired of living this mediocre, powerless life. I'm tired of dealing with the same old habits and vices and addictions. I want to preach to somebody today that's tired of the same undisciplined lifestyle that they've been living. I want to preach to somebody who's tired of the same poor eating habits. Come on, did I mess with anybody on that one? Anybody at all? I'm preaching to you. I, I want to preach to somebody who, who you're tired of living in fear and anxiety. I want to preach to somebody who's tired of living in guilt and shame. I just want to preach to somebody who says, you know what? I'm tired of myself. I'm tired of living half in and half out in this wishy-washy faith and walk with Jesus Christ. I want to preach today a sermon called Do Something Radical. Say it out loud again. Do Something Radical. I mean, is anybody tired 
of the inconsistently going, you know, through the motions of church. I mean, I come to church sometimes. I don't come enough. I don't come all the time. Anybody tired of like, man, I don't read my word every day like I should. Anybody tired of I don't pray every day like I should. That's what I want to preach to you today. I want to preach to those that are ready to do something radical in their lives. Did you know when you read the Bible and you read about the life of Jesus Christ, he was radical. Like there's no mistaking. He was radical. His teachings were radical. He said some wildly radical things in, in, in a lot of his teaching. He said things like this, sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. That's radical. He, he says, love your enemies. That's radical. Bless those who hate you. That's radical, right? Pray for those who persecute you. I'd rather not. That's radical. Forgive those who hurt you. That's radical. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn your other cheek. Let them slap that one too. That's radical. It's harder for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's radical. And the teachings of Jesus were radical, but modern day Christianity in the United States of America is just lethargic and mediocre. It's comfortable. It's the complete opposite of radical. It's like, man, I want Jesus as long as my life is comfortable. As long as it doesn't demand anything outside of comfort, then I'm all in. But God never called us to a life of mediocrity. And so today I want to give you four actions in your outline. If you have them, you can open them up. If not, you can just navigate with me through this. But I want to give you four actions, four actions, four things to do. In order to do something radical. When Jesus recruited his first disciples, he said these two words. And he said it several times to different groups of disciples. And it was radical what he said. He would go up to these people who were not his disciples yet. And he went up to his disciples and he said these two words. They're radical. He said, follow me. Follow me. Say that out loud. Follow me. You say, well, man, that doesn't seem really radical. Well, let me tell you why it's radical. (laughs) Jesus said, follow me. And he wasn't looking for like Instagram type followers. He was looking for imitator type followers. He was looking for followers that would literally imitate his life. That's why Ephesians 5.1, it says, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. You know that we all imitate others. Have you figured that one out? We're all just imitators. If you've traveled the world, you can go into certain cultures. They dress all the same. They don't dress like us, but they dress like each other. We all dress similarly in this culture, right? We just follow the other people around us. We imitate those around us. We imitate those that we think can lead us and we like what we see. So we imitate them. But I love what he says here. He says, be imitators of God as dear children. And I love that because if there's any parents in here, you know that your children, at least when they're younger, they want to imitate you. And then they get older and they get wise and they realize that's not a great idea. 
But when they're little, they want to imitate you. I'm going to be like my daddy. I want to be like my mommy. They take on the characteristics that you have. They start to talk like you. They say words like you. They use the words that you use with the same attitudes that you use them. And you can say, do as I say, not as I do. But they're going to do as you do. And then they get in trouble for using the same word that you used. But they learned it from somebody. They didn't just make them four letters up on their own. I love this because he says, be imitators of God as dear children. Imitate God. Listen, if you're going to imitate God, you got to know what God was like. If you're going to imitate God, you got to know about Jesus. If you're going to imitate God, you got to know how Jesus thought, how he talked, how he walked, how he gave, how he served, how he loved, how did he sacrifice Follow me is a radical two words because Jesus didn't say, follow me to the Gucci store. (laughs) Jesus didn't say, follow me. I got a Camelac Escalade. You should get one too. Jesus didn't say, follow me to the clubhouse or the beach house or the penthouse. Jesus didn't say, follow me as I chase money, as I chase luxury, as I chase success, as I chase material possessions, as I chase name brands. He didn't say, follow me into a life of comfort. Jesus said, follow me and take up your cross. Yeah, I know that's not going to get a lot of hand claps. I know that because it's radical. Because most people aren't ready for radical. They're not ready for radical. They want mediocre. They want a comfortable Christian lifestyle. But Jesus called us to be radical. I want to read to you in Luke chapter 9. These are the words of Jesus. He said, if anyone come after me, that's you, that's me. Let him what? Deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. What does that mean? It means that I am dying to my own self daily, my own desires, my own wants, my own sinful nature. I'm dying daily. Take up your cross and follow me. Here's where he really gets down. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses and forfeits himself? That's radical. That's radical. That is absolutely radical. That he says, I want you to live for me, even if it means that you die for me. Follow me to the death. Follow me to the cross. And by the way, all of his disciples died for him. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples. And as he sends out his 12, he says something cool. He says, hey... I'm going to give you the same authority that I have. You're going to get the same authority to heal the sick, to cast out demons. I mean, that's kind of cool. How many think that's kind of cool? You get the same authority as Jesus himself. But then he says this, I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. You'll be hated by everyone because of me. You'll be arrested. You'll be flogged. You'll be persecuted and murdered for my sake. And they were. Follow me. That's radical. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus said it like this. He said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. 
Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. You guys understand what's happening here? He says, follow me. But Jesus, my father is dead. I will follow you, but first let me go bury my father. Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Follow me. They say, man, why would he say that? That's heartless. That is cold-blooded. It's not heartless. Jesus knows the heart of humanity. And he knows that you and I will make every imaginable excuse to not follow him. God, but first this. God, but first that. God, but first let me go do this. God, but first. And God is saying, I'm first. I'm first. I'm your number one priority. Nothing can take first place. I'm number one. God knows every imaginable excuse that we will make to stay comfortable, to not put him first, to not go all in for him. God, I'll do it, but first, some of you are here today, that's you. God, I will go all in, I'm in, but first. I told you my goal today was to absolutely wreck you guys. It's quiet in here, it's quieter than normal, but that's okay. It's working. This this brings us to action number two. Action number two, do something radical. Seek him first. You know why that's radical? Because we don't. We seek everything else first. It's not that we don't love God because we do. We just don't put him first. I love God, but he's not first. I love God. See, it's not that we don't love God. We do love God. We just don't put God first. And so what we do is we, we are as humans seekers. We are. We seek things, we desire things, we chase things, we run after things. And so I seek my own comfort and I seek my own security and I seek a guy or a girl or I seek a relationship. I seek money, I seek success. I'm seeking things in my life and none of that is a bad thing to seek that I just mentioned. He just says, seek me first, seek me first Some people spend more time seeking money or success than God. Some people spend more time seeking a guy or a girl than God. Some people seek their own security. Oh, if I could just fill my insecurities with something more than God. He says, seek God first. This is a commandment, by the way, all the way through the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, seek God first. First, Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, 33, what did he say? He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Here we go. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first God, his kingdom, the things of God, his word, worship, prayer, the presence of God, the power of God. The anointing of God. Seek the things of God. Seek God first and then everything else will be added to you. Let let me give you a spiritual secret for your life today. When you start chasing Jesus, everything else will start chasing you. 
What is the matter with the back half of this section over here? Did somebody just fall over dead? You know I can see you too. I got another secret for you. If you can see me, I can see you. He's like, I sit back here to hide. I can still see you. Don't think I forgot this section over here. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. It's a spiritual law. It's it's a spiritual fact. When you start chasing Jesus, everything else will start chasing you. I dare you to try it. Man, if I if I could just get the man, I'm just man, I want this the woman of my dreams to walk into my life. Stop chasing. (laughs) Stop chasing the woman of your nightmares. And these ladies, oh, if I could just get this man in my life, this man, I need a man of God. You're not going to find a man of God at the club. I'm just, I need to move on, but I really, I really want to slow down for a minute. Shoof. You're looking for the character of God while the dude's drinking and like, you know, bumping and grinding. Also like, what, what do you, what are you smoking anyway? So, so it's a spiritual law. When you chase Jesus, everything else starts to chase you. I've seen it happen in my own life. When you chase God and you put him first, and I mean chase chase not not he's a part of my life he's every part of my life he is interwoven throughout everything in my life everything in my day everything when i chase god this is spiritual law it it is a command throughout scripture you remember in exodus 20 we were given the 10 commandments those are kind of a big deal number one commandment number one you shall have no other what gods before me Well, by the way, there are no other gods. There's one God. So what is he saying? It's things that we put in front of God. We make them God. You shall have no other gods before me. I put this in front of God. This has become my God. I made this an idol in my life. You shall have no other gods, no other loves, no other passions, no other interests or desires before me, before me, before me. Some of you are more, some people are more passionate about politics than about Jesus Christ. Some people are more passionate and I cannot figure this one out. Some people spend more time golfing than with God. Does that sound like torture or what? (laughs) Slap a crooked stick at a ball that has dimples all through it. It's like there's hell and then there's golf. And it takes five, it's five hours of hell. People ask me, hey, you golf? I'm like, what? And I know we have a lot of golfers in here. I, I just, we have any golfers in here? 
There's a few. I knew it. I knew it. I know you're like, uh, I mean, I am, but well, what I'm saying is God's not saying you can't pursue and have desires. God put desires in you. He's saying, I need to be your first desire. Seek first the kingdom. You shall have no other gods before me. God is saying, I am first. I'm number one. I am your priority. I'm number one. He talks about this with our money, our income. He talks about this with our time. On the first day, on the first day, on the first day, we're going to remember the what? Sabbath. And keep it holy. We're going to, you know, some of you are too super like Christian and super theological. And you're like, well, the Sabbath is actually a Saturday. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Just pick a day and give it to God all day, every day. (laughs) My God, have mercy on all of us. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Keep it holy. Keep it holy. Keep it. Sabbath means it's a day of rest and worship. That's what Sabbath is. The Sabbath is a day of rest and worship. And by the way, it's the first day of every week. When it comes to our income, our money, same thing, same thing. Let's dig into this a little bit because it's about keeping God first. Here's a great scripture. I actually want to read Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 first. Malachi 3.10. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Somebody say, test me. Test me. Look at somebody and tell them, test me, test me, test me, test me. It's the only time God's word says, test me. God says, test me in this and see. Test and see. Test and see. Hey, by the way, I I just want to pause for a timeout and a commercial break. If you don't test, you won't see. Man. If you don't test, you won't say, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I know, I know. It's like 72 tithers in here are like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Everybody else is like, I ain't clapping nothing right now. I... <laughs> But this is the principle, you know, it's like, he says, bring me your tithe. Now look at the scripture with me again. Can we keep it up there for just one minute? Keep it up there one, one minute. Malachi. He says, bring me, get my finger to go the right way. This is hard to do. Yes. Bring, other way, the, wait, the, say it out loud. Say it really loud. Yep. It's like the ADHD kid in school. Class clown. That was your moment to go right there. Okay, bring the whole. Okay, let's stop for a minute because. Don't say anything. It's quiet. Whoever did that. The whole tithe, which means that way back in Malachi, they apparently had the same problems that we have today. 
and we bring either none of the tithe or part of the tithe, but not the whole tithe. Can you put my scripture back up there, please? Leave it up there for a minute. And that word right there, you like that? That's with some serious attitude, talent. Tithe, you know what tithe means? It means a tenth part into the, does anybody know what a storehouse is? It's a church. It's a house of worship. Okay. You guys with me? That there may be food in my house. He's not talking about freaking bread and bologna and ham. He's talking about spiritual food in my house. Test me. My finger is completely the wrong way. Test me. Let's go. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Okay. And see, see, and see. My God. And see. Some people will never see because you'll never test. You will never see the floodgates of heaven open on your life. Because you will never test. And you will never test for a variety of reasons. But the biggest is you're afraid. Because you think you are your own provider. So, so, so let's look at this other scripture. Because there's always, a, there's always a promise of God. But the promise of God requires a premise that comes from man. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. This is a great one. Hey, wait. Time out. Another commercial break. Y'all remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. A couple verses later. Honor the Lord with your what? Wealth. Bring the what? Bring the first fruits. With the first fruits of all your crops. Then, now here's the promise. The first part was the premise, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. The premise of Malachi 3 was bring the whole tithe. Test me in this. Now, here, now here's the promise. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. Is he saying if you give God 10%, you can have more wine than you could ever imagine? You clearly need to celebrate recovery. It's like, if you just give God 10%, you have more wine than the Napa Valley. That's not what he's saying. <laughs> he, he said, okay, he says the word first fruits. Does anybody know what that is? First fruits? What are first fruits? <laughs> they are First, fruits. So, so I got, I have an example. I have an illustration. I've got some fruit and I decided to go with bananas today. So let's see, one, two, three, four, five bananas, six, seven, eight, nine bananas and 10 bananas. I'll make sure y'all can see my bananas. I got 10 bananas. Okay, so 
these 10, I chose bananas because y'all are bananas. And because it's bananas that we don't get this concept. And because it's bananas, how much money we all have, but we don't think we have enough. Because it's bananas to think about half the world. Half the world, half of every human on earth lives on less than $2 a day. That's bananas. Okay, so let's get into this. So these 10 bananas represent what I earned, let's say, this week. Every Friday I get paid 10 bananas. Maybe for you, you get paid every couple weeks. Every couple weeks you get 10 bananas. Maybe you're self-employed and you pay yourself. I don't care how you pay it. But at some point you get 10 bananas. You say, I'm big time, baby boy. I've got 38 companies, multiple income streams. I got cryptocurrencies. I stake it all. I got money coming in from every. You still got 10 bananas. We all have 10 bananas. Even if my 10 looks like 50,000, your 10 looks like 500,000, your 10 looks like 500 million, we still all got 10 bananas. My 10 bananas is 10 bananas. So God says, this is getting weird. God says, I want you to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Okay, so let's say I got a banana right here. And this one is my tithe. Can you see? It says right on it, that's my tithe. This would be ideally all of my income. And the first thing I do, because it's a first fruit, is I bring it to Jesus. And I give it to him because it's actually already his. Because he said, it's my first fruit. It's mine. Like if I give you a thousand dollars in one hundreds, Right now. And I said, here's a thousand bucks. You can have it all. I just want a hundred back. And you didn't give me my hundred? Bro, I'm never giving you a thousand again. Right? Y'all expect God to make you priority for him when you don't make him priority for you? The same 73 hands. Okay, I'm, I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you there. And, and then we have this question because, because people are like, Scared because they think they're their own providers. Not you in the second row, but a lot of people do. And so, so this is as humans, because we're like fickle and really just honestly pathetic. What we do is we go, well, I want to give God (laughs) my tithe, but Pastor Travis, I have a question. I'm sitting in the tithe class. I'm sitting in class. Do we give? Does God want us to give off the gross or the tithe or the net? Right? Because seriously, you could totally overgive to God. Like that would be really bad if you did. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like, do I give my gross or my net? Like humans just try to cut corners. So... It's like, well, 10%, your first fruits. It's like, well, you know what, Lord? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you, yeah, some of this. There you go, Lord. 
That was cool. But I'm going to need this. Because these nine probably aren't enough. And so what we do, look, look. Because these nine are legit. I'm not saying they're not legit. Let me, let me break these up for a minute. Gosh, where is the ones I need? I don't even have the ones I need. Oh, yeah, I do right here. So like one of them is like the first thing, the biggest thing we usually have to pay is like the house, right? Rent, mortgage, unless you're living at home still with your mommy. So, so this, is, this is a normal human life. It's not that you don't love God. You do. You just haven't put him first yet, right? And so I got to pay my house. PT, I got to pay my house payment. Some people's like, I can't afford to tithe. Woohoo! You can't afford not to tithe. If you want God's blessing and faith, it's like, PT, I got a house payment. And so like, one of you got to be the bank. Can somebody be the bank? Can somebody be the, can you catch? I don't want to offend anybody, but I hit the girl in the first service upside the face. So her name's Cassie. Cassie can't catch. Catchless Cassie. Okay. So can you catch? So here's the house payment. Give her, she caught it. Let's go. And, and then, and then. We've got some other stuff. Let me see some other stuff. These are not in order at all. They need to be in order just to help the flow of the service. Car payment. Because most of us can't just go like, you know, pay for a car cash unless it's a hoop deville. And we, you know, we just like, okay, I got a car payment. So you're my car lender. So I got to pay my car payment. Right. And we got some other stuff. Um, well, here's a big one. Ever since Joe Biden took over gas prices is absolutely <laughs> absolutely out of control and saying, I know I overstepped, but it's okay. And so I got to pay the gas to somebody. Somebody's taking my gas money. And then I got all these other things. I got travel. I got to travel. I got to travel. So I'm going to go travel around the world. I got to go out with my homies and my friends. Yep. You're my homie. You're my friend. I got to go out. And then, well, we need groceries. We're in Scottsdale, so we need Whole Foods. And so Whole Foods is no joke. All right. Louisa says, okay. And then we got, and then we got very expensive coffee because we cannot drink coffee at home. We must overpay at all costs for coffee. That's actually my worship leader, Amelia. She overpays for coffee. And then it's like, well, we got to have a phone because phones have like all of our connectivity and social media and Instagrams and all that stuff. We got to have a phone. And so somebody else out there is our phone person. And then since we're in Scottsdale, this is mandatory that we buy some Gucci sunglasses. We have to have these, even if we can't afford them, we have to have them because we live in this city. And if I don't have those on my face, I do not look like I belong. And so what we do, you missed. Somebody got the Gucci banana. That's an expensive banana. Take your time. Take your time. And, 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 then, and then usually what we have is then we have something else, right? And, and so like, even if, even if I give God, even if I, <laughs> it's common, it's common, it's common. Even if I give God my tithe, because some of us, we think, well, we tithe. I give God, but you give it at the end. That's not a first fruit. That still didn't put God first. That still, that still put him last of all your financial priorities. So God says first fruits, 
<laughs> you look like you're like taking cover. You got a knee up in the air. I'm not going to throw this one. Don't worry. I'm not. I'm just kidding. I'm throwing it. What a mess. You say, well, you know what? All those are legitimate expenses and they are. But what God is saying is, but I'm first. I'm priority. I'm number one. Let the dead bury their dead. Deny yourself. Follow me. Take up your cross. Seek me first. Do something radical. Do something radical. Again, how can you expect God to make you his priority when you're not making him your priority? See, priorities, oftentimes they get out of order. See, if I want you on your own, not right now, preferably, but read the rest of Malachi 3, the verses after it. Because he says things like, I will keep your crops from. Some of y'all can't figure out why your freaking car keeps breaking down. You can't figure out why you blow a tire every week. You can't figure out why the batteries keep going out. You can't figure out why the air conditioning unit keeps stop working. I can figure it out. I can figure it out. I don't have a lot of things right in my life, but I can preach this one with absolute fire and conviction because Natalie and I do not miss ever a tithe. Never. That's not, that's not even about me. I'm telling you, it is about the heart of the human and putting God first. Now, some of you are here and you're super theological and very judgmental and very critical. And you think you know the Bible better than I do. So I thought I would talk to you guys for a minute. Because some of you are like, oh, that's an Old Testament law. I'm so glad you thought that in your head and I recognize that. Because let's go to the New Testament law. Sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. Let's go to the book of Acts, where all the disciples gave everything they had, everything they owned to the church. And then the church decided who had got what. Which one would you like to do? The Old Testament or the New Testament? You can take your pick. I'm good with either. And I'm pretty sure God's good with either. It's like, why do we come up with ways to not? Do you love God? Do you not love God? Do you want to put God first? Do you want to not put God first? This isn't even really supposed to be this much of my sermon. Let's move on. Matthew chapter 4. Follow me. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon, called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is cool. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Number three, write this down. Do something radical. Become a fisher of men. What does that mean? Start using your life to share the love of Jesus with people around you. That's radical. Peter, Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, Peter, Andrew, it's time to stop fishing for money and it's time to start fishing for men. It's time. Listen, do you even know Have you ever thought about why you have a Bible with these Bible stories? Because you have a Bible because this story, it's not even about Peter. 
He's dead. It's about you. This story about Peter's not, oh, Peter was a fisher of men. That's super cool. The story is about you. Peter's in heaven. See, the stories in the Bible are about you. And Jesus is telling you today, follow me. Do something radical. Follow me. Do something radical. I want to do something radical in you and through you and for you and with you. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. In other words, I want to use your life to impact the lives of others. I want you to use your job as a platform for Jesus. I want to turn your workplace into a place of worship. Some of y'all ain't ready for that though. It's too radical. It's too radical. It's too radical. Man, it's too radical. I don't know if I could do that, man. I say, this is just my job. It's my job. No, your job is your platform. Your job is where people are, that God gave you influence and friendships and relationships. That's your church, if you will. You have a ministry that I don't have any influence over. I can't walk into your family. I can't walk into your neighborhood. I can't walk into your team at work and tell them about the love of Jesus. I don't work there. But you can. Because you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, some of you have never shared Jesus with anybody. Some of you have. Some of you have not. Some of you have never invited anybody to impact church. You love the church and you love Jesus, but God forbid you tell anybody. I told you I'd come to just hurt you today. See, God gave you a specific platform that he did not give me. And if you don't share Jesus with them, who will? Who are you waiting on? Because their eternal life depends on it, but so does their peace and joy on earth. Completely depends on it. You have the answer. You have the answer. I, I love this verse in Romans 10, 14 and 15. It says this, how then they, can they call on the one they have not believed? It's talking about people in your life that don't believe. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one of that they've not heard yet? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they, how can, how can anyone <laughs> preach unless they're sent? And then he says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Look at somebody right now and tell them, are your feet pretty or ugly? Come on, tell them. Are your feet pretty or ugly? You got pretty feet or ugly feet? Y'all got pretty feet or ugly feet? He says... How beautiful are the feet. He, he's quoting from an Old Testament scripture in Isaiah. How, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. What's the good news? It's the story of Jesus Christ. It's the hope. It's the love of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. In Matthew 28, it's the last chapter in Matthew. And Matthew covers the birth of Christ. It covers his ministry, his death, his resurrection. And then the last chapter, he rose from the dead the last chapter, one of the last things Jesus ever, he ever tells us is he gives us something we call the, the Great Commission, which is a co-mission with God. It's a partnership. I'm, I'm on a mission, a co-mission with God. And he says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which is why we do that, by the way. And teaching them to obey everything I commanded. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission. You are. You are a minister. You are. 
You know what the word minister means? It means to serve. What is the best way you could serve the people around you? You can give them Jesus. You're, you're a minister. By the way, you're also a missionary. Tell somebody next to you, you're a missionary. He's talking to you right now. You're a missionary. Because I want to make sure we understand this. I want to make sure that we understand this. Because he said, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, pastors, make disciples of all nations. Rabbis, bishops, reverends. He didn't say that. He's talking. He said, well, he's talking to his, his disciples were people. They didn't go to Bible school. They didn't have this certificate of degree. I'm a theologian. I'm a fisherman, dude. And now Jesus, I was a tax collector. I was a doctor. The different disciples Jesus had. He said, you go make disciples. He's telling you. He's telling all of you go make disciples. You can't make a disciple unless you lead somebody to Jesus. He, he didn't say, if you're an extrovert, I would greatly appreciate it if you help me further the kingdom. talking to all of us. Go make disciples. You're a missionary. You know, if I had one wish about missions in this nation, this would be my wish. I wish we had all stopped thinking about missionaries and missions as an out of the United States concept. I wish we would. I really wish we would. You you know, I hear people, I hear people all the time say, I want to go on a missions trip. Every time you walk out your front freaking door, you're on a missions trip. Open your mouth and start sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to go where somebody doesn't have shoes to give them Jesus. I want to go on a missions trip. I need to raise some money. You don't need to raise nothing. Walk out the door and open your mouth. You know, there are people that won't give to churches in the U.S., but they'll give to missions. Do you know that the U.S.? might need Jesus more than any nation on planet earth right now. (laughs) And some of you go on missions trips. Every time you walk out of your house, you go on a missions trip. But a lot of times, most of the time we miss our moment. That would be like us signing up for our Nicaragua trip and going to Nicaragua for a missions trip. We get down there, we raise all the money, we do all the training, we learn about what we're supposed to see and say and how we're supposed to act and all these things we done. We never share Jesus with anybody ever. And we come home, we go, we went on a missions trip. So my one wish would be, I wish we could reorient the way we think about missions because we have a massive mission field. And this country is becoming more carnal, more apathetic, more lukewarm, maybe cold than any time that I can remember in my lifetime. In fact, I read an article just this last week from Yahoo News. When Yahoo News is writing stuff about church, I listen. And it said this, this was the headliner. Christianity, quickly, 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 let's go with it. Christianity, quickly diminishing in the US and on pace to become the minority religion. Does that surprise anybody? Doesn't surprise me. Because we're not doing our job. Everybody's looking at me to do the job. I'm looking at you to do the job. 
Let's us do the job. Let's us do the job. Let's us do the job together. Let's us do the job. So according to Yahoo News, we've fallen 30% in 30 years. 30%. The U.S. is a mission field. On those two back doors, as you walk out, I put signs. You can look at them real quick if you want. You probably can't see them. It's too far away. It says mission field. Because when you walk out of these doors, you're going into a mission field. Welcome to the mission. Welcome to the mission. Welcome to the mission. Okay, this leads us to number four. Number four, and I gotta, I gotta get through this. What time's the next service? Anybody know? 12.30, okay. 30 minutes. I don't know what they're gonna do. Did you get that Gucci banana eaten, by the way? Still taking your time? Okay, good, 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 good. Let's go, let's go. That's what I'm talking about. Probably has Sharpie that bled into it, but it's okay. Number four, fourth action step, be bold and unashamed. This is the reason you need to be bold and unashamed because Romans 1.16, it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who what? Believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. In other words, it's for everybody everywhere. It is not inclusive. It is not exclusive. It's inclusive. The gospel is for everybody. The Bible says in Revelation that one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Every nation, every tribe, every generation. And we need to be bold and understand. This is what the way I see the world is that we live in a day and age where the dark is getting darker and the light is getting darker. We live in a day and age where it's okay for everybody everywhere to be bold and unashamed about everything and anything except about Jesus. That's the way I see it. I mean, I can be bold and unashamed about sex. I can be bold and unashamed about sexuality. I can be bold and unashamed about gender and what I think I actually am. I can be bold and unashamed about politics. I can be bold and unashamed today about Satanism. But God forbid I say anything about the love that I have for Jesus Christ. God forbid I say anything about the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not asking the world to shut their boldness down. I'm asking the church to open their boldness up because that's what changes the world. We're not supposed to blend into the darkness. I always get this question like, people are such conspiracy theorists. My Lord, have mercy. (laughs) You know, it's like, what's the red star for? You're really a Satanist church, aren't you? Yeah, dude. Like, it's so out of control. When when I named the church Impact Church, I prayed about a one-word purpose statement. One word. One word that summed up the great co-mission. Co-mission. 
We're on a mission with Jesus Christ. What's one word that says go into the world and make disciples? What's one word? What's one word? Impact. Impact the world. God led me to Philippians 2.15. You know what Philippians 2.15 says? That you shine like stars in a bright, in a bright light. You're a bright light in a dark, shine like stars in a dark and crooked universe. Well, why is it red? Because we grew up on freaking cartoons and we think red is an evil color. But red was also the color of the blood of Jesus that shed for each and every one of us. And it's not even that spiritual. Red is just my favorite color. Why is it red? PT's favorite color. Oh, he's evil. Jesus calls it to shine like stars. I got a banana all over my hand still. It's not funny. I do have my preacher's towel though right here. I, I want to close with some scripture, but I, I want you to do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to close with this scripture. You know, the first sermon that Jesus ever preached publicly, his very first one. It's in Matthew 5. Imagine the first words that you've ever said to somebody publicly. Your first, I remember my first sermon. I know exactly what I said. I know what scriptures I preached on. I know what it meant to me. Jesus' first sermon that he ever taught. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in that house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. His opening sermon, he says, be a light, shine, give people Jesus. His final words, go into all the world, shine, be a light, give people Jesus. His ministry, it's bookended with giving the gospel message away. Follow me. Follow me. Do something radical. Get out of the mundane. Get out of the mediocre. Follow me. Go all in for me. And today you're here, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus Christ yet. Well, I believe you're here for that very reason. Because God wanted to give you this message. And as we know, John three sixteen says, God loved the world. That means you. God loves you so much. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. That whoever believes in him will never perish, but have eternal life. And if today you're here and that's you, you say, I want to I wanna step out today and give my life to Jesus Christ then I want you to pray right now say Jesus today I give you my life thank you for giving me yours I want to live for you 
even if it means I die for you. Teach me to follow you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for paying the price for my sin and for unconditional love. God, we are forever grateful and forever indebted. Lord, I pray that you raise up a boldness within us, that you light a fire within us to live our faith out loud for you. To not be changed by the world, but to change the world. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit www.impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.